Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 69 of the Imagineer Podcast. In today's podcast episode, I am incredibly excited to have the opportunity to share with all of you my interview with Yeehaw Bob Jackson. For those of you who don't know Bob, I hope you'll be encouraged to learn a little bit more about him through this podcast episode. Yeehaw Bob has been a staple over at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort since back when it was called Disney's Dixie Landings Resort. He has been a cast member performing at the Riverside Roost Lounge for more than 20 years. I remember going to see him as a kid. His show was always so entertaining, and I sincerely think he was one of the most memorable parts of staying at Disney's Dixie Landings Resort, and then growing a little bit older, Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. Today, we'll talk a little bit with him about his career background, how he came to work at the Walt Disney Company, how he developed his show and his character, Yeehaw Bob. We'll also talk a bit about his Disney Legacy Cast Member Award and other things he does aside from working at Walt Disney World. And he even works with Give Kids the World and does some incredible things. And it was sincerely a pleasure to have the chance to chat with him. The end of the show, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this very fun episode of the Imagineer podcast. Riverside, or for those of you who have been to going to Walt Disney World for a long time, you might remember Dixie Landings, and you've spent an evening over in the lobby, you might have heard Yeehaw Bob Jackson, who is over at the River, Loost, River Roost Lounge, I should say, and has been doing this for a very long time, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. So, welcome to the show, Yeehaw Bob. <laughs> Imagineer Podcast, we love you. Imagineer Podcast, we love you. Imagineer Podcast, it's true. Imagineer Podcast, we love you. and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast and I want to give a big shout out to everybody listening and a big thank you to Matt for inviting me on to the show. 
Well, thank you, Bob, for coming on to the show. I think you definitely have the best introduction to this podcast I could have ever asked for. <laughs> and, and we love you, too. Uh, I was tempted, because I've seen your show before, to do my little Tarzan yell on this end, but <laughs> I think scared off those listening. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on to the show and that awesome introduction. Uh, like I said in the beginning, you know, you've been... A, a staple, I think, over at the Port Orleans Riverside for uh, two, almost two decades now. And I'm excited to talk with you today about your history of the company and, uh, you know, what your act is like and give those who maybe don't know a lot about you the opportunity to learn more about you and kind of incentivize them to, to take the evening to go over to Port Orleans Riverside to, to spend an evening with you. I want to start, though, by actually asking how you first fell in love with performing was this something that you had a passion for as a kid like when did you just get that bug for wanting to perform in front of audiences thank you matt i have been there at port orleans riverside for going on 23 years oh, and it is my passion i love to entertain people i put on a a, a fast-paced uh, family-oriented sing-along show and I've been there for on, going on 23 years and I just love every second of it it's been it's been a wonderful experience for me yeah I I actually didn't even realize it has been that long I was thinking it's maybe close to 20 years but absolutely it's been 23 years that's amazing um, and like I said I've been I think I told you even an email before that I've been coming to see your show for Probably most of that time, because when I was growing up, my family stayed at, again, it was then called Dixie Landings, and it was seeing you was actually one of the most memorable part of staying at that resort. And when I do stay there now, I try my best to make sure that I come and see your show, um, at least to catch it for a little while before heading back to our room or heading out for the evening. Um, now... I know that you've been at Disney for, like you said, a long time. And I know you've been at Disney longer than that, actually. Growing up, were you a big fan of the Disney parks or the movies growing up? Or was your first exposure when you moved to Florida and started working for Disney? Well, I grew up, I'm a child of the 1950s and 60s. And I grew up watching the Walt Disney Show and uh, the, the Mouseketeers and all of that. That was all part of my uh, early childhood. I remember actually watching Walt uh, on television. And, uh, and so, of course, I love loved all that stuff. And, and, and this was back before streaming, before the videos, before DVDs. And we could only see those movies when they came around uh, to the theaters, which was um, maybe once a year. So, you know, we'd watch, uh, we'd see the Walt Disney show on television and watch the Mouseketeers. And then whenever there was a new movie, we'd have to go out and see it, of course. And so I, I, I've grown up watching uh, Walt Disney, and it's been a great experience for me. I was actually invited, uh, uh, not last year, but the year before, to uh, perform out in Marceline at the house at uh, uh, at the Dreaming Tree, right next door to the house that Walt lived in when he grew up. And I put on a show right there, and it's a private residence now, but they invite, actually invited me in to uh, to see the house that Walt grew up in. And I even got to go upstairs and, and uh, hang out in the bedroom where Walt and his, his brother lived when they were kids and it was a lot of fun to put on that show there at the uh, at the Walt Disney World Museum at the Walt Disney Museum there in Marceline. 
That's amazing. I didn't even realize you did that. That's incredible. I believe it or not, as big of a Disney fan as I am, I've never been to Marceline. It's it's high on my list to go there and to see it because I know it's a big part of Disney history um, where Walt grew up. So, uh, but I love that you you know you watched the Musketeers. You saw. Uh, you know, Uncle Walt on on television back in the day. It's something that uh, I think I, w- I kind of envy. Um, you know, being being someone who was born in the '80s, didn't really get the chance to to see that uh, live on television. Now, of course, we have uh, reruns in Disney Plus and other ways that we can go back and look at things like that. So you came to Florida, and I know that your first gig, if I'm not mistaken, at uh, at Walt Disney World was at the Diamond Horseshoe in the Magic Kingdom? Exactly right. I had some friends. I came to Orlando. Uh, I've always been an itinerant musician, a traveling musician. I married a singer, and we lived abroad for a number of years till we started having kids, and we were in, living in Norway, and uh, we needed to settle down. Our son was three and my dad said, wrote to me, he said, well, they're auditioning piano players at uh, Church Street Station, which was a, a venue downtown Orlando. And so we moved. I came to Orlando in 1991, and I joined the Rosie O'Grady's Dixieland Band. I was a ragtime stride piano player, and I joined that in 1991. And some of the boys in that band were, were Disney musicians as well, and they invited me out to audition there at the uh, Diamond Horseshoe. It was a big show we had. We probably had four female vocalists, four dancers, four female dancers, four male dancers. We had two front people, we had a quartet band. And so I started there and I joined that band as a sub. And uh, I started subbing over to Hoop De Doo. And then they reorganized the Diamond Horseshoe show and I got hired on as the two-day piano player. There's a five-day and a two-day guy, and I was the two-day guy. So I did that for a number of years, and then I've subbed. There used to be a Tarzan show. I was a sub over at the Tarzan show, and that was a lot of fun. And I've subbed there at uh, Coke Corner as the ragtime piano player. So I've played all the different Disney parks uh, one time or another in the course of the last 25 years. Wow. We're going to talk about your character, Yeehaw Bob, but as a little teaser for that, did you end up using that character in all of those locations, or was it something that was created specifically for the role you have now at Riverside? It's it's easier when you're an actor to, to portray a character, and uh, there at Port Orleans Riverside, that's my, character, my stage character, and it's just easier to cl- climb into that character and to present the show. So when I no, when I met these other venues, I don't have to use that character. If there's a character involved, then I have to assume whatever character there that uh, the part calls for. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I know that definitely is one of the uh, elements of show at for working at Disney. Um, you know, myself being a former cast member as well. When I worked at Kilimanjaro Safaris, I was very much in a, a very you know, safari-driven role. I was someone who came from the United States and traveled to uh, Kenya, Tanzania to learn about animals. Meanwhile, I went to school for marketing, something totally different from zoology or animal research. But it helps to put yourself into that character and deliver a great show that way. So it totally makes sense that you would do the same here. When did you end up making the move over to Riverside? Or another way to phrase that, because I know you said about 23 years ago you did that, but how did that opportunity present itself? 
I was playing in a big uh, dueling piano show down on International Drive. It was a place called Blazing Pianos. And uh, it was a great show. We had a, a theater with 500, held 500 people. We had three uh, eight-foot Yamaha grand pianos on stage. And one of the boys, that was a sub there, he was the full-time guy out at uh, Port Orleans Riverside. He said, Bob, I'm leaving Port Orleans Riverside. And why don't you, if you're interested, come out and audition. And I was uh, anxious to get out of that dueling piano situation. And I went out and auditioned. And and at the time, it really wasn't much of a showroom at all. My friend John, whose job it was, he basically just sang ballads out of a fake book. It was a holding room for the dining room next door. And so I looked at the little room and decided I could probably turn it into a, 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 a real uh, fun venue. And so I, I, I solicited the job and got the job and, and, and just turned it into this, uh, the show what it is today. That's incredible. Did you actually kind of turns me over to a question I had about the show itself. Did you create that show completely by yourself or did you collaborate with Disney in any way to put the show together? I know, of course, there are some Disney or a lot of Disney songs that you that you sing throughout the course of the evening. Um, but did Dan- Disney just need to put their stamp of approval on it or did you need to collaborate with anybody? What was sort of that creation process like for that show? Um. I've been very lucky. They, Disney has given me complete carte blanche to develop the show, write the show. So that's that show is my entire creation. Like when I first started, I really wasn't doing any Disney songs at all. I was just basically putting on a, a sing-along show. And uh, one night uh, there was a big flurry of activity. And, and uh, the, I said, well, what's going on? Well, John Lasseter's coming. I said, well, I'm, who's John Lasseter? I've never heard John Lasseter. And uh, and uh, so they said, well, you, John Lasseter's coming. So here comes this guy in this flowered shirt. And he came in and sat down. And and I, I was I had never heard of John Lasseter. So I just made sure he was involved. Yeah, I, have, I put on this big audience participation show. And I made this sure this character john was part of the show and uh after the show i went home and googled his name and found out that he was head of pixar studios <laughs> yeah developed and wrote uh, toy story and john came back to my show probably eight times he'd sit in the front row and and pull a chair up and put his feet right on the stage and and it dawned on me that i was doing very little disney music so i started learning disney songs because john would bring in all these high-powered disney executives from all over the world and and all the imagineers and so that really got me started learning the disney uh, material and that was really great because there's so many people that just love Disney music, and I do too now. And of course, I always did, but uh, I just can't do enough Disney material. And uh, so I put on pretty much a three and a half hour Disney sing along show there as much as I can. It's it's been a lot of fun. That's incredible. I think that's a great compliment too. That John came to see your show so many times and would bring others back. Of course, that indicates he loved it as well. And did he ever? give you any uh or did he ever come up to you i should say after the show and and give you any sort of uh comments or uh or praise you in any way for your performance or you just kind of sit and then don't oh, leave yeah i was so lucky that john he'd stay after the show and we would the just the two of us sometimes three or four of us in the imagineers we just we'd sit around a table and talk for an hour he'd bring his wife nancy 
and sometimes his kids and and uh, but no, I got to get I got to know John pretty well. We'd sit around and talk talk after the show for a long time. That's incredible. I'm a little jealous. That's wonderful. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, so speaking of your performance, let's talk a little bit about Yeehaw Bob. And I know you said that you feel a lot more, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to deliver a show when you're in character. How did you come up with the idea for this character? Well, it's not that difficult. It's part of my personality is uh, when you put on a sing-along show, you have to be able to communicate with the audience, and it's a lot easier when you're in character. And one of, I've got a, a little plaque behind my 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 piano. It's it's a, it's a saying by Walt Disney. It says, "Give the people everything you can give them. Make it a real fun place to be." So that's what I do. I put on this sing-along show. I stay in character and uh, get uh, as many people involved as I can. And uh, we just go for it, full blast. I don't do any slow songs, and uh, I just put every ounce of energy. I leave everything I I can on that stage every night. Yeah, I definitely feel like that's a trademark characteristic of Yeehaw Bob is that energy. It you just bring so much energy to the stage every performance and every time i've seen you it's that same amount of energy and i think personally how difficult that must be uh to keep those that energy level as high as you keep it for the duration of the evening um do you find did you have a routine that to get into that mode because i know as we're speaking now of course it doesn't make sense to have that energy level uh but you also seem to be very calm in you know this setting so how do you you ramp up for that that high power energy for the performance. Well, you get in character, you get in costume, you get on stage, those lights come on, and bang, it's showtime. Just like that. That's fantastic. Like- <laughs> um, have you ever had any evenings where you felt it difficult to, to get to that level? Not at all. Not at all. Not even one. Nope. That's amazing. Uh, and that's great that you can keep that consistency, too, for, for, uh, for every single performance. Um, going back to something you said earlier, actually, one of the things that I really admire about your show is the audience participation. And you have people standing up, doing Tarzan roars, uh, running around the room. And I feel like, especially in the beginning, it, it takes a little while to get people into that that energy level and it's amazing to see the transformation if you go see your show from beginning to end you have a lot of people kind of like sitting back crossing their arms in some cases not wanting to participate and then by the end you have everybody just you know roaring and laughter and and cheering and having an amazing time that's one of my favorite things about your show is there a particular part of the show that's maybe a personal favorite for you well i love all the disney's Disney music. I love, you know, the tunes by uh, all the great Disney composers and sing songwriters. The uh, my, probably my favorite ones are. Um, oh, let's see. I'm the king of swing, jungle VIP. That one. Uh, oh. Um, those old Disney songs. I love to get everybody singing along and clapping along. And it's, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, those Disney songs definitely get people uh, into the mood. Uh, and I know you perform even some of the park music, like Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of real fun uh, songs that you perform in there. And I know that the show has changed a little bit over time, but for the most part, it's it's pretty much remained at heart very much the same. Maybe add a song or two or, or change things here or there. Um you know, I'm just tapping back into into my cast member days and, and remembering when I was, again, at Kilimanjaro Safaris, it's while it changes from one, you know, safari to the next, you have a different audience, the interactions are a little different, and even in that case, the animals move around and they might be laying down in one safari, and then the next safari, they could be, you know, the lions could be up there roaring and, and moving around, and it's really interesting. But otherwise, the spiel and the storyline and the routine remains very much the same. And you've been doing this for 23 years now. Do you ever feel like you really just want to change it up, or, you know, do you get tired of the performance, or is it just as exciting for you now as it was when you first started? Well, every night's different. Every night's a little bit different. The audience is always different. Sometimes I've got, I've got thirty children. Sometimes I'll have thirty kids out, uh, on, though they'll be climbing around on stage. I, so I've got to do it. Sometimes I've, this time of year I don't have any kids. They're all seniors. They're all people down from Indiana. So every night's completely different, and uh, you never know. You know, you have to be re- ready to change, change your routine, change your show to uh, the format, whatever people are out there. You know, sometimes I'll have a bunch of college kids, you know, sometimes I'll have a wedding party. Sometimes I'll have you never know what you're going to have. So you, you you can't do it exactly the same way every night. There's got you have to have the first thing I do before I before I start any show, I, I do a, a meet and greet. I will walk. I'll stop at every table in that entire room. I'll stop at every table and talk to people. I'll get their names, whether they're um, celebrating a birthday, anniversary, uh, what's going on in their lives, where they're from, and I'll move on to every table. I had every table in that room, and I'll take all those names, all those ideas, all those things with me up on stage, and I'll incorporate all that information into the show. That's incredible. I it's it's amazing how you have that memory too and it's smart to survey the audience ahead of time so you have a really good idea and could probably pick out the people who you want to uh, participate in particular parts of the show do you ever find it difficult to get people to interact and how would you sort of adapt if if someone was uh, not willing to <laughs> to participate in the show it's very very rare I'll um I'll I'll look out there in the audience and I'll be thinking four songs ahead if there's some particular part that I'm going to need uh, somebody to do something. I'll be watching to see if they're participating in other parts of the show. If I've got if I've got somebody that's jumping up and down in front of their chair and I, I have a part in the show that I'm going to need to get somebody up on stage a little later on, I'll remember that person and I'll know that they're, they're, they won't have any problem about getting up because they've already been getting up. So no, you just uh, format that show. I'm always looking out there. I'm looking for names and people that are doing things and, and you just use all that information into your show, bring it all in. Very smart, a very way, a very smart way to go about things. Um, you know, one of the things that is really, I think a lot of cast members aspire to, um, is to get that, that coveted blue name tag, which is something that's not 
everyone gets. It's uh, you know the legacy cast member award, and it's you, that blue name tag sticks with you after that point. And I always, whenever I see a cast member with a blue name tag, I uh, it, you know I realize how much that cast member must have contributed to that role or to the company as a whole to get that. And I know it's a pure recognition. Um, award as well, so it's not something that you know Bob Iger is going to come down and, and start giving blue name tags, but a peer recognition uh, award. So, do you remember what it was like to get that award? Did you or that blue name tag? Did you anticipate it? Do you know who nominated you, or was it just a total surprise? Well, I was curious because this was back in 2013. It was, it was like almost the very first year that they had those awards and I'm over there at the resort. I'm not involved at, in the really in the parks and a lot of the cast member cast uh, services things. And, and to be honest with you, I had never even heard of the legacy award. I had no idea. And these people, uh, the management came in and gave me this blue name tag. I had no idea what it was. I had no idea, you know, anything about the award but you know and, and now that i do you know it's a peer recognition i appreciate i don't know who nominated me but i appreciate whoever did but to be honest with you it hasn't changed my approach to the show uh, at all you know i'm there to, to give my very very best and put the uh put the uh the, the the audience members first and and i just do my very very best and i appreciate the award but it really hasn't changed my approach to the show at all that's fantastic. I think that's the right way to approach it as well. It's a, it's, it's definitely a, a really humbling award, um, but it can change people. <laughs> and it's glad, I'm glad to hear that it hasn't changed your approach too much. Um, so looking back on the role uh, for the last 23 years, what do you find has been the most memorable or the most rewarding for you? Well, I love, I love entertaining people. And every night... Every night there's a challenge, but every night there's always people that come up to me and and share uh, personal uh, experiences about the show that they've been there before. Maybe a parent that has passed away that uh, that loved the show. Every night there's somebody that shares something with me, and uh, I don't really care about the famous people that have been to the show, or you know my. My reward is just being able to entertain everybody. That's an amazing reward for sure. And you brought up a question I thought of, I forgot to ask earlier. Do you get a lot of regulars and do you recognize them when they come back to the show? Um, you know, perhaps for an annual vacation or even locals that might stop by? Absolutely. Uh, I've been there so long that I've got couples with children coming up that uh, attended the show when they were kids. So. Uh, I I know a lot of these people by their first and last names, and absolutely, I recognize a lot of people. It's fun. Yeah, for sure. It's just just wait. Like I said, I I grew up going to your show, and uh, my wife and I, I'm sure, within the next you know, hopefully, the next few years, might have kids, and uh, perhaps we'll bring them down to to your performance and complete that circle there as well. Um, so I know you perform, uh, you know, several nights a week at uh, Port Orleans Riverside, but I know that's also not necessarily the end of your work week. So outside of Disney, what else do you have going on? Well, I perform at least once a month down at Give Kids the World, 
which is a resort for children with life-threatening diseases and their families. I go down and volunteer down there at least once a month. And uh, every summer, I the uh, libraries, uh, Orange County Library System hires me to uh, present uh, children's shows at all the libraries for their summer reading program. That keeps me busy. And uh, every Sunday, I have a, I've performed at the same little church here for the last 26 years. And so I have to prepare that church service every year, every 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 week. And uh, right now I'm I'm finishing up my 12th CD, so that takes a lot of time. And I've got uh, I put uh, I uh, put YouTube ch- um, videos together for all my original music. And so I'm I keep real busy right now. I'm trying to memorize. I, I was a music composition major in college, and I love classical music. And right now I'm trying to memorize a, a Chopin uh, Nocturne and a and a, uh, a Beethoven uh, Sonata. So I keep real busy with my music. Yeah, for sure. I love that classical side. And I was on your YouTube page the other day as I was preparing for this discussion with you, and I was uh, I found myself really just focused and. Um, calm and uh you know really at peace with listening to some of the songs like far and near and the journey um and uh there's just a lot of uh, a lot of great songs that you've produced i didn't realize you had 15 cds at this point uh how do you find the inspiration for for new material well i love to travel and uh like the you mentioned far and near i just came back I took a solo trip all the way across China. I took a solo trip across seven provinces of China, all the way to Lhasa uh, in Tibet. And I uh, went as far as uh, Mount Everest Base Camp. And uh, one of my travel companions uh, that I met on the the train introduced me to the Chinese uh, poet Gu Qing. And uh, that was an inspiration for that particular tune. And uh, so I take a lot of my inspiration from, from I love poetry. And uh, so I get inspiration from my travels and from the poetry that I like to read. That's amazing. Uh, and definitely traveling is a, is a great way to get inspired. Are there any particular composers? I know you mentioned uh, Chopin and uh, Beethoven. Are there any others who you look at or draw some inspiration from when you compose music? Well, I love the music from the early uh, 20th century, from the early 1900s. And uh, I love Debussy. Uh, my family's Hungarian, so I love Bartok. And uh, I love oh, Ravel, all the early French composers from the uh, from the t- early 20th century. I love all that stuff. I get my inspiration a lot of that from them. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, that, that sounds amazing. Um, and you mentioned earlier about uh, give kids the world, which is a topic I definitely wanted to bring up. Of course, uh, it's it's I see a lot of cast members and and even folks in the Disney community who don't necessarily work for Disney, but are maybe influencers are on Instagram or uh, have their own podcast like me or something else uh, out there that they will contribute to give kids the world. How did that first come about with you? Did you, um, you know, were you aware of give kids the world Did they reach out to you or was it something that you felt uh, was a calling that you wanted to go and contribute and volunteer there? This was, I've been down there 
at Give Kids a World, I don't know, the better part of 10 years. When I started there, it was just a tiny little place. And now it's really grown. Um, all of the parks, Universal, SeaWorld, Disney, they all Harry Rosen, especially the the uh, uh, hotelier here in Orlando, they all contribute to this great cause. And a lot of the Disney um, uh, cast members volunteer down there. It's all volunteer. We all volunteer. And I play in a, a lunchroom. Uh, I play there at the Gingerbread House. And it's it's a fun little – it's a big, it's a big uh, place, but it's fun because all the furniture are uh, – it's geared to like five and six year olds. Everybody sits on these little tables and chairs, and and uh, all the the food that is uh, available is uh, tater tots and French fries, and and uh, you know even the adults. That's all you can eat down there is is are the, uh, is uh, food geared for these little kids. So it is. It's just a fun place to to hang out and uh, perform for the families and the kids. I was just down there last Tuesday. I'm usually down there on Tuesday nights. Yeah, that's incredible. It's great to be doing that for now a decade as well. Um, it's incredible how much it's grown, and <clears throat> I love how, how many people devote their time and, and volunteer there as well. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, for anyone who is aspiring to be a performer, whether at Disney or elsewhere, what advice would you offer to someone who's looking to build a career as an entertainer? Well, you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise, you just aren't going to be successful. It's a hard way to make a living in the arts. But if you're passionate about it and persevere, then you're going to be a success. You just can't give up. You have to just keep going, especially when you're young. You you just cannot give up. And, and uh, the business has changed so much since I was a young person. And uh, you just really have to become fluent in all of the uh, social media, you have to become fluent in YouTube, especially, and uh, just follow your passion, and uh, you'll be a success. Yeah, I love that idea of following your passion, and you definitely have to be passionate about it to be successful, and to, of course, put a lot of time and effort and practice into all of that as well. Uh, so, for people who are interested in in finding you, whether in person or elsewhere, I, I believe you perform at uh, Riverside four nights a week, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to find me. You just Google Bob Jackson Disney, <laughs> you'll find me. I'm there at Port Orleans Riverside four nights a week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The show starts approximately 8.30 and ends up approximately 11:45 closer to midnight and uh, I really don't take a lot I really don't take a break I'll take two meet and greets uh, in the middle of the performance uh, to find me online um, you can visit my website of bobjacksonmusic.com all one word bobjacksonmusic.com I've got face two different Facebook uh, you know, Instagram Twitter it's you know it's not hard to find me I'm everywhere yeah, and to make it very easy for people, I'll be sure to include all the links and all the information about where to find you in the podcast description as well. So it should be very easy to find you, but uh, certainly I'll send them to your website and, and anywhere else they can find you. Um, but Bob, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today a little bit more about your role. And it's been an absolute pleasure as someone who's seen your show so many times uh, over the years to get the chance to chat with you for the podcast. Thank you, Matt. Imagineer Podcast, we love you. 
Imaginary Podcast, we love you. Imaginary Podcast, it's true. Imaginary Podcast, we love Yeah, bye-bye, everybody. With that, we close out episode 69 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Yeehaw Bob Jackson. As you could tell, he is full of so much energy when he performs and has been, as I mentioned at the beginning, a staple over at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort. Of course, I want to turn the conversation over to you and ask you if you've had the chance to see Yeehaw Bob perform in person, and if so, what do you think of his show? If you haven't, when's the next time you're going to take the trip to Disney's Port Orleans Riverside Resort to see his show in person? You can send me your answers and feedback in many different ways. As always, you can reach out to me on any social media platform through a direct message or a post just by tagging me in your story in a social media post, whatever you do. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Imagine Your Podcast, on Twitter at Imagine Your News, on TikTok or LinkedIn at Imagine Your Podcast, or join our Facebook group, The Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, if you want to converse not only with me, but with other members of the Imagineer Podcast Community. Easiest way to find that is just to type into your search browser, Imagine Your Podcast Disney Fan Community under Groups, or go to facebook.com slash Podcast, click on the Groups tab, and request to join the group there. And as soon as I see that come through, I will approve you on my end. You can also send me an email at imagineerpodcast at gmail.com or call our listener voicemail, which is 516-406-8376 in case you would like to hear your voice on a future episode of Imagineer Podcast. Of course, speaking of the show, if you don't already subscribe to Imagineer Podcast, I hope you'll hit that subscribe button. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or Spotify, or any other podcast app out there, if you hit subscribe or follow, then make sure that you are one of the first to know when a new podcast episode, including potential bonus episodes, become available. Other thing I would encourage you to do, which is really helpful to our show, is if you go to the uh, the Apple Podcast Store, just leave us a rating and a review. It takes less than the time it takes to watch a video on TikTok. Uh, if you leave us a rating and a review, it does so much to help our podcast community continue to grow. We are nearing 300 reviews on Apple Podcasts, all five stars, or most are five stars. Um, and I'm so very grateful to all of you who have left those incredible reviews. I can't even tell you how much it does for this community. And it definitely encourages me to continue to improve upon what we're already doing and deliver an even better experience for all of you. So thanks to all of you who have continued to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. The other thing you could do, which helps us perhaps even more, is to share the podcast. Whether you share your favorite podcast episode, Imagine Your Podcast as a whole, or any of our social media posts, if you leave your thoughts again in a post or Instagram or Facebook story or a video or any other means, even if you just reach out directly to your friends and let them know that Imagine Your Podcast exists. It helps us so much to continue to grow this community, and I am so very grateful again to all of you who continue to share each and every podcast episode. 
And if you want to take your love of Imagineer podcast to the next level, be sure to check out the Imagineer Society by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. It's a place where you can help to go to support the show financially. And in return, you get some extra special perks and benefits, things like early access to every podcast episode, bonus podcast episodes just for the Imagineer Society, monthly video calls where we chat in a small group about all things Disney, always fun conversations, and more. You can learn more about that by going to patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Special shout out and hello and thanks again to all of our Imagineer Society members, including our newest Sorcerer VIP, Paul. Paul, thank you so much for joining the Imagineer Society all the way across the pond in the United Kingdom. Looking forward to all of our discussions over there. Of course, I would also encourage you to check out our trusted partners. First is the Kingdom Insider. Christy at the Kingdom Insider visits Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, and other destinations a lot more than I get the opportunity to because she's so close to the magic. And she provides a lot of great information, resources, tips, and updates about all things happening at the parks and beyond. So you can check her out over at thekingdominsider.com or follow the Kingdom Insider on any social media platform. And I would encourage you to check out our trusted travel partner, Academy Travel. The reason I work with them is because they are recognized by Disney for being one of the top three, in fact, the number one travel agency in the world for Disney travel. And they are diamond earmarked, which is the highest level that Disney bestows upon a travel agency. And they've been doing this for more than 25 years. They can help to plan your next trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other destination around the world. Do it with some incredible service. to save you a little bit of money and even better do it all free to you so if you want to get a free quote with no obligation click on any of the links in the show notes below to let them know that imagine your podcast sent you and they'll be able to provide you with some of the latest discounts and information about traveling to any disney destination around the world Last but not least, I want to encourage you, as always, to go after your dreams, whatever they might be, put in the effort and the work to make those dreams come true, and it will be so rewarding and so worth the journey. And remember, as always, that quote from Horizons, if you can dream it, you can do it. Thanks so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast. What a wonderful friend. Hakuna Matar ain't no passing craze, means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Hakuna Matata. Oh, this is great. Wait a minute. What is Hakuna Matata? It's our motto. Well, what's a motto? Nothing. What's a motto with you? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. You know what? These two words will solve all your problems. That's right. 
Take Puma, for example. Why? When he was a young warthog. When I was a young warthog. Whoa, don't hurt yourself. I always wanted to do that. He found this Roma lacked a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a sensitive soul, though I see thick skin. Yes. And it hurt that my friends never stood down with. And oh, the shame. It was a shame. Out of changing my name. Oh, what's in the name? And I got so downhearted. How did you feel? Every time that I... Wait. Not in front of the kids. Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Akuna Matata, ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free philosophy. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata Good call, good talking Akuna Matata Hey, where's that wire come from? I don't know, but they sound good It means no worries for the rest of your days it's a problem-free philosophy, Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. On the breeze over houses and trees With your fist holding tight To the string of your kite Up where the air 
send it flying up there All at once you're louder than air You can dance on the breeze Over houses and trees With your fist holding tight To the string of your kite Ooh, oh, 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 Let's go fly a kite Up to the highest height Let's